ask you to go to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 and 20. We're going to look at, focus particularly on verses 19 and 20, which are two of the most important verse sections in the whole Bible. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 and 20. This will conclude our series to the cross. We're talking about Jesus' great charge following the resurrection. And I hope for, you know, maybe this message will be really basic. And um, certainly going, didn't I already know this? If, I grew up, if you grew up in the church, I certainly hope. Everything I say today will not be new to you. I certainly hope so, but I hope that it will refresh you and will help bring you to a, a refresher conviction. But if this is new to you, um, this is really important. It is so, it cuts to the heart of what we are about and what we do in this church and what church should be about. And so, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, this is the word of God. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Lord bless the reading of his words. Let me pray for today's message. What an incredible thing that you say. And it's happening, Lord. Your kingdom is going forward and your disciples are following you and making disciples of all nations. What an this amazing thing that cannot be stopped. Nobody can stop you, Lord. And so I pray we would hear today this glorious thing, this glorious calling to be a part of something so much bigger than us it's worthy of our life, I pray, for a people so poor, seeking that which is glorious and worthy. I pray that today they would not just hear mere duty or, or command or to go and perform and try to be a good person, but they would hear the calling of something glorious and worthy of their life. They would run after you and would follow you, Jesus. In your name we pray. This passage, this comes at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. And these two verses, verses 19 and 20, what Jesus tells disciples to do. This is following, He has risen from the dead. He is resurrected. And as I told you last week, He is now an eternal man. He cannot die again. An incorruptible mind. An utterly holy heart. And eternal life is, is coming out of him. And when he says that all authority has been given to me, he's not simply saying, I'm God, thus I have authority. That would just be a useless and redundant thing to say because, of course, God has authority. What he is saying is, I am, I am the new Adam. I'm the son of David. I'm a new humanity. I'm a new kind of human being. I've broken into this world and I am the first of a whole kingdom. A kingdom, as I told you last week, 
breaking into the world through his resurrection, that's what's happening. And as he's saying, he's giving forth with his authority all those who are those who follow him. He has a command for us. And this is his command. This is his charge. This is the mission of all those who know Jesus, who believe in Jesus. And that is, go therefore, therefore because I'm risen, because there's a new kingdom, because I have all authority over all kingdoms and all glories, far greater than the kings of your kings and all the other little glories that you pass, that they will all be passing throughout this world. I have the ultimate and final authority. And now because of this, now this is what he charges to Make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and call them to follow all that I have commanded you. Not just some of the things I've commanded you. Not just a few of the things I've called you to, but to all of it. Make them disciples. That's the charge. Now, for this message, I'd like to break this up into three parts. To in, in thinking about this charge, this is the response of those of the kingdom. Of all those who are a part of Jesus and who will live unto this king. This is his charge. And... In this, I would like to approach it in three parts. Part one, I'm going to just ask a very basic question. What is a disciple? What's discipleship? Part two, I'm going to talk about something I'm going to call the missional church. And it's important that I, that you understand what is the missional church. It really should just be just the church, the normal church, the biblical church. But today I want to especially highlight that the regular normal biblical church is a missional church in contrast to what I'm going to call the religious church, which is, I think, what too many churches are. They're a religious church, not a missional church. Three, I'm going to talk about glory for the poor. Glory. Because that's what this what mission leads us to, is to taste and experience glory, the glory of God. Let's talk about first the disciple. What is a disciple? And I'm going to give you a really simple and basic definition and you're, when you hear it, you're going to go, huh, okay, did I really need to be told that? I think a lot of us do need to be told that. Right? I'm going to say in just a moment why. What is a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is one who follows. That's what a disciple is. You know, throughout uh, Jesus' time, there are all kinds of people saying, I teach this, this, and that. Follow me. And they would be a disciple of this person or that person, this person. So that's not really a word we use today as disciple. But there are lots of people, they find some particular great teacher or guru. This person will help you get rich. This person will make you a better daddy. This person will give you the secrets to you know, having a super great company and having great success in your life. There's all kinds of gurus and today we don't necessarily call them disciples, but essentially that's what they are. Right? But what is a disciple? The most basic is one who follows. And to be, we're, we are all called to be followers of Jesus Christ. Now let me say, say it a little bit differently. If you consider yourself a believer in Jesus, a Christian, you know that you are supposed to be a disciple. There's no such thing as a Christian and then another step to becoming a disciple. No. If you believe in Jesus, if you are a Christian, you are a disciple. 
Let me put it a little bit more negatively, a little bit more toughly. If you consider yourself a, a Christian, but you do not follow Jesus, you might not be a Christian. It's a little scarier. Hmm. Right? There's no such thing as being a Christian and not being a disciple. To be saved by Jesus is to be owned by Jesus. To be owned by Jesus is to follow Jesus. That's the call. Right? And... And the reason I have to, I'm, I'm making this so clear is that to be a disciple and to be a Christian should be one and the same. But a lot of people think to be a Christian means to be a churchgoer. A lot of times, I'll, to be a Christian means to be an adherent of a particular religion. There are certain doctrines, they believe X, Y, Z. I believe those things, I can check them off cognitively in my mind. Boom, boom, boom. These are the things I believe. Yes, right? But there's no... There's nothing in your heart, there's no activity of your life that in any way makes you people wonder, like, well, you say you believe these X, Y, Z things, but you don't really follow, you don't really follow. A real Christian, a person who's a Christian, is a disciple. You can't just be a religious adherent. You're not just a churchgoer. And let me add one more thing, you're not. You're not just a church consumer. You are not a consumer of a religion, and you are not just a person who says, I just show up at church. There's a key difference. A response to the death and resurrection of Jesus is to follow. And the call of Jesus following his death and resurrection is, go, follow me, make disciples. I know this isn't easy, right, to hear this thing, because somewhere in this culture that this is, that we have been living in the West, and the West has been a Christianized culture. But what that means is, it is allowed to be sort of the dominant religion of the time, but no longer is that the case, right? Is Christianity the dominant religion? It's just kind of in the air. And when Christianity becomes a kind of religion of the society, it's very easy to just go, well, I just go do my church, I just go do my two cents of religion, and then I'm a Christian, and I believe in the right doctrines, but that is not what the Bible puts it. Where does it say, go to church, believe in the right, you know, check off the right boxes, and then thus you know, you're, you're, you're good to go, right? It doesn't say that. It's clear. Jesus' call, make disciples, be disciples, right? Now, I want to say um, just, just a couple more things about this before I move on to part two. Why is this so important to make clear? Being a disciple, and then in being a disciple, following the call of the disciple to make disciples. That is the call of the disciple, to make disciples, Right? That is the fundamental activity of the resurrection kingdom. What is the response that Jesus is risen and now a new heavenly eternal kingdom is breaking forward into the world? The fundamental activity of those who are, have received of the death and resurrection of Jesus, that, ex- that expression is to be disciples, make disciples. Right? That's what we do. That, if you want to, let me put it this way. What is the fundamental business of the church? Everybody has a product, so to speak, right? You go to McDonald's, and they got, they have, they have Big Macs and French fries and, and chicken McNuggets, right? That's their product. You go to Apple, they have an iPhone, right? They have MacBooks. What is the fundamental business of the family of God, of those people who have come from life to death through the death and resurrection of Jesus? That is, be disciples, make disciples. Right? 
Now, let me just say one more thing, just, just a picture. When I think about um, following, you know, it, it's interesting. When I often hear people say, be a Christian, I often think about people who go to church and who have the right doctrine. Even I, as a pastor, I, I, I'm still kind of stuck because we're still, we can't help but be conditioned so much by the culture. Our culture, you know, just kind of flows into us almost by osmosis into our mind. And I can't help but when I hear the word Christian, all these different connotations come into my mind. I'm thinking, well, there's all these people, they're supposed to be Christians, but there's tons of people who say they're Christians that I know, well, they're not, right? But when I think the term disciple, you know what, the, what I, uh, there's a picture I think of. The, the picture I think of, of being a disciple is, is Kung Fu. <laughs> That's what I think about, right? Now, did any of you um, watch kung fu movies when you were a child? I, I imagine just about every Asian American young man watched kung fu movies. Um, when I was growing up, it was on the UHF portion of the, of the bandwidth. And, and nowadays, some of you guys, you, people are young. You're like, I don't even know what UHF means because you watched cable your whole life, okay? But UHF is free TV, and those are like kind of the junkier channels that don't have the, the, uh, the signals as good. At least that's the way it used to be. And I used to get channel 26, and the picture was really fuzzy. And on Saturday afternoon at about 3 o'clock, you'd get Kung Fu Theater, and the guy would talk like this. English would come out of his mouth, but his lips would not move according to English. <laughs> That's what it was like, okay? And, and, in, and in a lot of these movies, the, what would happen is there would be this guy who'd be a drunk or he'd be a, a, this weakling or a loser and he'd get kicked around by bullies or by some evil warlord. And somewhere along, he would meet somebody who would be the master. Right? And he would have to follow this person. And essentially what this weakling would have to be is to be a disciple of a master and this master would impart to him the glory of Kung Fu. That's what would happen. Any of you watch this movie? Um, the movie that, that's most recent that comes to my mind is, uh, have any of you seen Quentin Tarantino's movie Kill Bill Volume 2? Anybody seen that movie? There's uh, only a couple people. It's a really, there's really, certain parts of it are really gross and violent. But there is a sequence in Kill Bill Volume 2, which I just love. I love the sequence. And it is, they call it the tutelage of Pai Mei. Right? And the star of Kill Bill is, is Uma Thurman. And she plays this woman who studied under this Kung Fu master. She became his disciple. And, and she learns Kung Fu. She becomes this deadly assassin under Pai Mei. And Pai Mei makes her do crazy things, right? There, there's a sequence where she has to carry these heavy water buckets up these extremely uh, uh, steep, um, steep stairs, and she's like suffering, and she's like, oh, you know, like, like, what does this have anything to do with kung fu? But this is what she has to do. And there's other things that she has to do. He's really mean to her, and he and he hits her, and he yells at her, and and and, and he says all these things to her to get her to to follow him. But there's one thing that he does when you're watching. He's like, it's just nuts. He makes her stand in front of this big tough piece of wood at about this level, right? Like six inches. And he says, okay, now hit it. Punch right through this thing. And she has to punch it. She First punch, she goes, oh, and her hand hurts, right? Because it would hurt if you had to punch this thing really hard. So she does this. And then he, and he yells at her. And he's like, and, and she's wondering why she has to do this. And he says, what would you do if 
your enemy was six inches before you and you couldn't do anything else because you must have be able to punch right through him. And he goes, and, he, and then he takes his feet and he puts his hand right here and he just goes, and his hand goes right through the wood. It's like, whoa, you know? He's like, he's like a Superman. He goes, right? And, and he makes her do this. I mean, you know, her hands are getting bloodied and all ruined and so forth. He makes her do this thing. And like, to me, discipleship is something like that. Because if some of you who are, who, are, who are tracking through the Gospel of Luke through our quiet time, until you notice in the middle of the Gospel of Luke, sometimes Jesus says stuff. And sometimes it's kind of crazy. Jesus says things that don't make sense. Sometimes it's kind of crazy and even offensive. And he makes his followers do things that are weird and don't even seem to make sense. And in fact, they're offensive, and they're offensive to the world. And if you were to do the things that Jesus told you to do and sound like the way he thinks, you would be, get weird. It would set you apart from the world. And sometimes he makes you do crazy things. But that's why I'm thinking, like, Pai May made Uma Thurman do this crazy thing. But you don't know why you have to do this thing. But what happens in this movie, and this, this is, I, I know this is, this is how I think, okay? I'm watching this movie... And later on, what happens to the, the main character, Uma Thurman, is she meets the enemy. The enemy defeats her and beats her up, right? Because he's this evil, you know, crafty guy. And then he sticks her in a coffin. <coughs> he sticks her in a coffin, buries her underground, and he leaves. Like she, and she's going to basically, and she's, she's screaming and, you know, and it's scary. And that would completely freak me out because I'm, I'm claustrophobic, <laughs> Okay. And so she's in there, in this coffin, left to die and starve to death and rot in this coffin. And then, then this whole Pai Mei sequence happens, and then she begins to remember her training. And then you know what she does? She, she gets out of her, she's tied up, and she, has like, she gets out of it through this little knife that she has. And then she's still stuck in this coffin, right? You know what she does? Here we go. <laughs> she goes, here you go. She goes, here we go, Pai Mei. And she just goes, and she just starts bashing her way, and she bashes her way through this, this coffin, and, and she comes out, right? And, and while I was watching her do that, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking about Jesus. <laughs> I, I don't know, that wasn't crazy. I was thinking, that's just like Jesus. He makes you do some crazy thing when you follow him, but later on, and you don't understand why you have to do this, but later on, at an important place, it becomes very important in his kingdom. It's discipleship. Follow, right? Let me talk about number two, the missional church. The missional church. Like I said at the beginning, it should just be called normal church or biblical church. And the reason is, and I don't want to get too, I don't want to sound like I'm getting too much on my high horse or getting too upset about this, but honestly, I am upset about this. There's too many churches that are not obeying Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. This isn't what they do. You know what they do? They peddle religion. They, they say, you know, what they mainly do is they're not fundamentally disciples making disciples. What they are, are, you know, they have to have a guy up front who talks to try to get people to behave and, and, and feel guilty and do good, do better. They have to have a band up here because so the music will draw people in. We have to have programs. We have to have a children's ministry because, you know, the, the parents won't come. It's like that. 
just like all these companies, you, you, you have companies, they say, you know, Barnes & Noble, they've got to try to sell you books. So they came up with this idea. They realized, wow, if we, instead of making them say, hey, you have to buy that book, we let them actually read the book in the store and then sit down and have a cup of coffee. They made it more comfortable for you to buy the book, so then you read the book and buy the book. So a lot of people think church has to be like that. We have to add a few more accoutrements, and then they'll show up, and people think this, but you know what they're afraid of? So many churches think that their job is to maintain religion. They're religion peddlers, and their job is what some pastors call maintenance ministry. I don't even call it ministry. It's maintenance, I don't know what. It's maintaining religion. But it's not disciples making disciples. Look, so many of you, when you look at the church, you see the building, you see the institution, you see this proper guy up here called the pastor, etc. You come in here and you see all the, the rites and activities that churches do. They sing songs, they pray prayers, they say these words, and non-Christians go blah, 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 blah. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me, all right? And it seems irrelevant. But let me tell you, at, at the most basic sense, here's all you need to have a church. You need two people, because church... Is, is a family, and you can't do it by yourself, okay? You need two people. Here's all they need to have. Have the gospel, because the gospel helps them to see and meet Jesus. They must believe in the gospel. They must want to worship Jesus, thus follow him, and then they must have a conviction to want to help other people follow him. That's it. Now you got church. That's all you need to have real church. You know, I, I've been telling, I told the, the guys who come to first service, because first service has such a, a few number of people. And sometimes, if you go to a church and there's only a handful of people, they're like, oh, there's isn't much going on here. What do you mean there isn't much going on here? Huh? It all depends on what they believe and know what church is about. Do you know that there are churches in China? It's illegal to have churches in China apart from the government's permission. So they have the official government churches. In other words, they have official government-sanctioned religion. And in those government churches, what do you think they do? They do maintenance religion given by the stamp of the government in the name of Jesus, which is blasphemous, quite frankly. Because for the Chinese government, the kingdom of Jesus has to be under their kingdom. And that is wrong. It's absolutely the opposite of exactly what Jesus says. I have all authority. So, even though it's illegal there, what happens is gatherings of 8, 9, 10, 6, 12 people happen in people's houses. And you know what they do? They're disciples making disciples. Real church is happening. That's real church. And when disciples say, this is our risen king. This is what he has commanded. Let's adore him. Let's proclaim him. Let's believe in him. Let's follow him. Let's help other people follow him. You know what they are? They're just disciples, making disciples, real church. They're on a mission. And the mission from Jesus so important for you to understand Matthew chapter 28. A church where the people don't know Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, and obey it, that isn't much of a church. That's religion. Okay? That's religious maintenance. That's church Peddling. I mean, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but it's not disciples on mission. The church being the church, being the real church. It has to be on a mission. And let me just say something. I, I, I taught this to 
um, those who've, who've taken the, the membership class. I know some of you guys have it took, it's been a little while since you took the membership class. And if you grew up in this church, you, you not, might not have taken the membership class because you know, you're already a member of the church. But um, one of the things I t- teach is in the, the priorities of our church, here's how it works. What is the fundamental thing that the church does? The absolute non-negotiable. You know what it is? It's worship. And you know what worship is? Worship is not a series of, of, of interesting ritual activities. That's not what it is. It's like blah, 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 stand up, get down, get up, get some money, praise, go oh, good, and, you know, I left. Everybody thinks that's what worship is because that's what all, how the, all the pagans do their worship. They have a series of rituals and rites. They're supposed to appease some god and supposed to get something out of it, right? Real worship is a response of love to your king. That's what real worship is. It's a, it's a love response out of your heart. It's like it, it, you can just sit there the whole time a person can stand up or get down. They can sing or not sing. And they can really worship or they cannot, Because it's out of the love response of the heart. And a person cannot truly worship until they really love God. And you know how you really love God? You have to first find out that He first loved you. And the way you respond is He first loved you. That message comes from what? The gospel. That's why in this church... Every single Sunday, you will hear the gospel. We will sing the gospel. We will literally eat the gospel. It will be preached to you with conviction. And we pray that with power from God. So that's why it goes gospel, then worship. Your heart's love goes out to God. And then if you really meet God, Jesus, through the gospel, you will really love him. Then you know what? immediately flows out of it is a response to what he said here. You now want to help other people get it too. Because why would you want to keep the most treasure of the world when the, in a world of people who are dying? Because that's what people without Christ and God are. They're just people who are breaths coming out of their lips, but they're really just the walking dying. That's all they are. They're wandering around, addicted to kings that are all going to pass away, glories that will, are all not big enough for their hearts. Addictions and enslavements and idolatries, and they're all just the walking dying. But when you meet the real life, the real Savior, the real kingdom, the eternal life in the flesh, how could you keep that to yourself? Right? It must go out. That's the mission. And so, in the healthy, normal, biblical church, there's gospel, which produces real worship out of your heart. And not out of duty, not out of command, not out of just, oh, I just got to do this because otherwise I'll be a bad person. Or I'll be a bad Christian. You know? That then you follow. Because you're driven out of, a heart welled of love for the Lord, of what He's done for you. That's mission. Flows out of worship. Okay? Now I want to make one more comment here um, before I move on to the third part of my message. And that is this. I want you to take a look at the passage, all right? Go to verse, chapter, uh, verse 19. And I want, you to, I want you to see what it says there. Verse 19. Here's what he says. Get a few guys who are the really holy guys. Send them to seminary. 
they will be the ones to do all the work. They will make disciples. The rest of you will pay the bills and cheer them on. That's, that's what Jesus said, right? That's what it says in verse 19. Verse 19, that's what he says. Get a few holy dudes. Everybody else will clap and think that they're junior partners and these guys will make the disciples and that will be my church. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. Right. But somehow... There is this meme, a meme, a, oh, a meme is like a, a, a word lately. Oh, a meme is a thought pattern which runs like a virus. And that's, I, I think it's such a clever idea. It's, a, it's usually considered an evil idea or a stupid idea, right? A meme, there's this meme running around Christians poisoning our minds and our hearts that, that only the pastors or the holy guys make disciples. It's wrong wrong, wrong, right out of the mouth of Jesus himself is not true. Who makes disciples? Disciples make disciples. You know, every church, every church should believe in something called every member ministry. I went to my church back in, in Philadelphia and, they, and I remember sitting through their membership class and they go, we believe in every member ministry. And I'm thinking like, huh, okay. We don't believe in pastors only doing ministry. We believe in every member ministry. Every disciple makes disciples. And you know, so so many people think that stuff that's happening on the field, those are the football players. They're doing, and what I would use, I'm I'm on the junior varsity team. It's that. Right? And you guys remember high school? There was the varsity team, they were the real team. (laughs) They were the, the scores and the games and the ones and losses that mattered for your school, they represented the school. If you were on junior varsity, you were sort of like, kind of like the not real team, okay? You were like the practice squad. You were sort of like the, the wannabes, right? And a lot of people think in the church, there's like, there's the, the real team, the pastors, and at best, I'm JV, but actually, so many people don't even think they're even JV. They just show up at the games and cheer. They're, they're your, or your spectators, this is the ministry portion. You guys are the spectators. You guys are, you know, you guys are useful to show up and pay the bills. That's what people think. No. 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 It's a missional church. It's a missional family. Disciples with a mission. Disciples who follow Jesus to make disciples. Please. Every member of ministry. We absolutely believe in every member of ministry. Please. And when people go to a church and people believe this, it'll feel different. It'll feel different when people show up and say, I own the mission of the church. It's my mission. What are you talking about? It's my mission. It's our mission. We want thy kingdom come, thy will be done in San Jose. I want San Jose to get the kingdom of God. I want Paiute Indians to get the kingdom of God. It's, It's me. It's me who wants to encourage a few people Become disciples, right? Missional church. Okay, number three. Let me talk about glory for the poor. You know, I'm listening to this. As you're listening to this, you're thinking like, wow, gosh, I'm, 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 I'm terrible at following. And gosh, I don't even know if I follow. And maybe I'm not really a Christian. Or if so, I'm, I'm really a crappy Christian. <laughs> maybe that's what some of you guys are thinking, right? Right, right. And so... You know, 
just, let me just, just one, I mean, if that's what you're thinking, let me just say something. Just join the club, <laughs> right? And, um, and we're talking generations upon generations of America believing in religious church, not missional church. Generations of generations believing in the meme that we're Christians but not disciples. I mean, come on. These are just lies. And so we're not going to get over this overnight. So let me just first say, just don't stop feeling guilty. You're, already, you're a terrible sinner. That's why you need a, a, a Savior in the first place. Jesus already knows you suck. <laughs> you know you suck. Your brothers and sisters know you suck. And if they don't know that you suck, that's because you're lying and you're, you know, you're putting on the facade. And you go to a church where everybody puts on the facade. I don't suck. You don't suck. Let's all just lower the standards so we don't all think we suck. But we know if you, if you hear this message, oh, you're like, everybody goes, oh, my gosh, I suck. <laughs> Jesus knows you stink. I know it. We all know it. I, you know, hey, let me tell you something. Let me say, let me be really blunt. Your pastor sucks. Okay? Not because, not because um, I'm just, this is not false humility. You know, prepping this message is not a fun message because I means I have to. It has to come out of my mouth, and that means I have to listen to myself say it. I'm like, gosh, I have to like disciple myself. <laughs> it's like be a disciple, crappy disciple. Oh, that sucks. Okay, all right. Um, so this third part, how do we do it out of our hearts? Because the, here's the thing: you want you probably hear a hundred times in your head. You have to do it. It's up to you. You know, it's your duty, your command, your your performance. It's on you, and and you and you feel the prod of how it has to be on you. But nobody can follow Jesus on his own power. Nobody. That's why he sends the Holy Spirit. You know, God has to help crappy people to be disciples. <laughs> God has to save you, and then God. The Son has to send God the Spirit to follow, to help you be follow God. I mean, that's how it works. It's all God. Right? But let me say the closest message to help something. Drop something to help you. Know that it's all of grace. And to do so, I'm going to talk about bishop. And, you know, I, 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 you're going to sit there going, gosh, this pastor, he's... he he." weave the plug for the mission trip into right into the sermon it's like gosh that's pretty clever right or sneaky of him and, and it is <laughs> it is kind of sneaky and clever okay but i'm gonna put you know just weave it right into the sermon here right um last year when we came back from the mission trip i, I gave um you know a, a number of people gave report you know we're having a whole presentation and what we saw and what we experienced in bishop and when it was my turn here is the way i i started um, my, my presentation. I said, what is broken in Bishop? What is broken in Bishop among the Paiute Indians? And my answer was simple. Everything is broken. And I'm not kidding. It's not an exaggeration. Manhood is broken. You got all these broken down men who don't and down and depressed and on the drink don't work. Womanhood is broken. I don't. You could probably count the working marriages on the reservation on two hands. Literally, you could count them probably. I'm serious. I didn't say thriving marriages. I didn't even say good marriages. I just said working marriages, <laughs> like barely working marriages. 
you have, you, 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 you talk to kids. And it's, when you're listening to what they're saying, you start after realize you're saying, what this child is saying is nuts. But he, this child says it like it's utterly normal to their world. What they're saying is, oh, yeah, you know, of course, you know I don't live with my dad. My dad is, of course, their parents never got married. I live with my mom, and her boyfriend comes around. And my half-brother lives over there on the other side of the reservation with my dad. And I've got this half-brother, and then I've got a couple of cousins, and then he, he slept with another woman, so then I've got another half-brother with this other woman. And you have fights on the reservations where a 16-year-old girl will want to get into a fight with a 32-year-old woman, or if you can even call her a woman. You know why? Because she is the boyfriend of her dad, <laughs> and her stepmom, really, although she acts nothing like a mom, hates her stepdaughter, because, and they resent each other because she, they feel that he's monopolating. Um, it's, it's ridiculous, the attention of the father. And literally, last year, there were girls that, there were, there were some teenage girls that had to have restraint. There were literally legal restraining orders because they hated each other's guts. And they would fight. And so, uh, we the pastors had to go, hmm, you can come to the morning, uh, make, uh, the Bible activities, but then uh, you'll have to stay back and then it'll be your turn. I mean, literally, we have to make this decision. We're like, gosh, we don't have to do this at home. That's how broken it is. And when I talk about this third portion of this message as glory for the poor, it is a glorious thing when you share with them who Jesus is. The most utterly broken people change right before your face. It's an incredible, glorious thing. But really, I am not, when I say glory to the poor, I'm actually not talking about them. You know who I'm talking about? You. Me, us. You know, my appeal to go to bishop is not because you are so smart and you've got it all together and you're so godly and you're going to go out there and help these really poor, broken down Native Americans get Jesus because you're, you've got it all together. That's not, that's not my appeal. My appeal is, why don't you go out there because you're really poor in glory. You're glory poor. All human beings, just we just... We have to live for something bigger than us. We long for glory. We are glory hungering, powerfully hungering for something so big and so worthy of our life. You know, ladies, this is why so many men watch sports. So if you have a husband and he, he watches way too much sports on Sundays or Saturdays, I mean, like, he, I mean, so football season, or all, all, you know, he's got, he DVRs all the games in the morning and the afternoons, and then, he, and then he has to watch, like, Sports Center three times. You're like, haven't you already seen that stupid highlight? Right? And you're saying, and the wife has already seen this highlight four times, and she doesn't even like the football, right? And then you have these guys, they watch football, then it's baseball season, then it's basketball season. Oh, wait a second, there's Olympics now. Oh, there's going to be... And, and you know, and, and, uh, of course, so many ladies, my daughters, <laughs> they get tired of listening to the... Da, na, 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 that theme, right? Right? But you know why men do this? Because they're glory poor. And if this is the only glory that they follow, and this is all that they fill up their life, honestly, they're losers, right? And they are. <laughs> right? 
But this is what we do. We, we have to take some glory in the world and try to shove it into our heart, and it's not enough. And yes, you get some of the glory of God when I preach to you and try to help you and let Jesus send His Spirit and make blind eyes see the glory of God through the gospel. But you know how you really eat and drink in glory? When you're on His mission. When you will be a disciple and be a part of watching really messed up people. This is really what our church is all about. Really, this is what our church is about. Community group is not you getting to hang out with your buds and homeboys. Really, that's not what it's about. Your community group is not for you to just make some friends and be a nice little Asian American clique and then get to do a little bit of religion, right? That's not really what it is. So many churches treat small group ministry like that. You need some friends. You won't stay in the church unless you get some friends. Hence, we came up with this thing called small group. So gather together and make some friends. That's not what it is, okay? I certainly hope you become friends with your brothers and sisters in community group. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is to be disciples. To be on Jesus' mission. To make disciples, help people be disciples. And you know, when you watch broken down Christians come in, and then the Holy Spirit lights them up, and they start to follow, it's a glorious thing. (laughs) And then when you get to just be just some small little tiny part of it, it's a glorious thing. Right? Let me just close this message this way. Last year, I, I, I shared about two uh, portions of the team that I thought, and we never saw this before, because this Asian American church, we're just so, we get so much of that baggage. The pastors do the mission, everybody else is junior varsity, we're on the sidelines, spectators. But last year, you know, we had these ladies who said, I, I don't know any Bible, what can I do? All I can do is cook. They joined the kitchen team. You know what we found out last year? Paiutes have heard the gospel multiple times. People have come in and told them about Jesus. And when they hear about Jesus, they, 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 they have a longing. They're attracted to Jesus. But you know what they don't know how to do? They don't know how to follow. And you know why they don't know how to follow? Because you need other people to help you follow. It takes a community. And you know what they found out? What we found out is we have this kitchen team, and essentially they're the moms of our church, and they would make this food. And then we would gather as a family, and then we would invite them to come eat with us. That simple act of come and eat with us. You know what we found out? That they, that these Native Americans, they just felt happy. Like, because their community, their families are so broken to sit with an intergenerational family of people where their mothers, out of their love, do this. In the midst of Jesus, we realize, here are moms Helping disciples make disciples. They're not, junior, they're not junior varsity. They're disciples making disciples by cooking, by their loving. One more team, and let me close up. Last year we took the kids. We took the kids. We never, we haven't taken the kids. We, they, we took kids in uh, fourth grade kids last year. And normally in Asian American church like this, think, oh, the the pastors do missions and the kids are just kids. They're way back there. I mean, they're not even junior varsity. They're like, you know, just it's like glorified babysitting, okay? And in previous years when we had vacation Bible school, you know what? These Native American kids, they didn't have daddies and mommies. And there's so much hurt and someone's anger. They don't know how to obey. They don't know how to sit still. And these kids are hard. 
we'd run these vacation Bible schools, and, and it'd be chaos. And and the, 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 our youth guys who who jump, they're like, thinking, oh, gosh, I want to I want to kill this kid, not love this kid, right? And but this but last year we took our kids. And so for the first time, those kids watch kids be joyful in Jesus. They watch those kids glad to be under spiritual fathers and mothers and aunts and uncles. And then they were, this is what, how you do it. And then they started to follow and sit still and just receive. It was incredible. It was incredible. <laughs> it was incredible. Just because we brought the fourth and fifth graders along and they follow. They were disciples. So they helped these kids follow. See? Disciples making disciples. Please just kill this crazy notion. It's only the pastors, only the holy leaders and say, Jesus, I, I need some of that glory. Consider going to bishop and if you can't, just start, just rechange your mind. I need to follow. Now let's go to the table of the Lord. <clears throat> and it's a long service today. Lord, we pray that you would raise up disciples who'd want to make disciples. We go to your table today hungry and we readily confess to you that we suck. We try to live on minimal religious Christianity and then we chase after sports or clothes or movies or fun things and think that's enough glory for us but they're not big enough. We declare you today greater. We declare that your mission is worthy. And as we eat of this food, would you feed us with your glory? In Jesus' name.